we've been talking about marriage, and I think um, in all the things that we are going through, it is our marriages that strengthen us. Um, it is the family, it is the home, um, that when everything falls apart, we need each other. And so um, I think this is very important as we look at um, our marriages and the things that matter in marriage. And um, so we have been reading through Ephesians chapter 5. And so let's just look at that again and, and read what the Word uh, says. Ephesians uh, chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Um, and it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other translations, it says, out of the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that they so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourished it and cherished it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast or cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we see this, this deep um, uh, dive into what it means to be married and what's the whole uh, idea of marriage. And as he says, it is a deep mystery. It is not just a uh, relational uh, experience. Uh, it is meant to be a sacred and holy uh, act of service and ministry that is part of the plan of God to establish his kingdom. Um, so it is a very uh, a deeply spiritual thing. Now, we've already talked about three aspects of marriage as we've read through this text. And, and just real quick to remind you, the first thing and the, and the foremost thing is the source of marriage. What makes marriage possible? The only thing that makes marriage possible is the filling of the Holy Spirit. And what better thing to remember this on Pentecost Sunday is that we need the Holy Spirit to make it work. On our own, we destroy marriage. Um, in, in, in our own efforts, uh, no matter how much, and, and we can experience somewhat good marriages, but yet in the end, they, they, they always fall short. So we need the Holy Spirit. The source of the marriage is the Holy Spirit enabling us to submit to one another. So the source of a marriage is through the Holy Spirit, but it's through the Holy Spirit enabling us to submit. So submission not from the wife, but from both of us. Submission through the Holy Spirit um, is, the, is the foundation of the marriage. And 
the reason we submit to one another is out of reverence for Christ. And so this is the threefold source of our marriages, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the submission to one another out of the reverence for Christ. We make our marriage work because God made us work. It is out of our reverence for Christ. Everything we do for our spouse is not for our spouse and it's not for us, it's for Christ. Um, and so we need to think, how am I acting? Am I acting in such a way that whatever I'm doing to my spouse, I'm doing to Christ? So when we talk harshly, you have just talked harshly back to Christ. I don't care what the other person has done. It is out of reverence for Christ that, that our marriages are founded. The second thing we looked at was the definition of marriage. What is a marriage? We needed to understand that this is not just a, um, uh, a relationship, uh, something like It is a profound covenant. It is a commitment. It is an eternal bond. It says that we are cleaving to one another. And that word cleaving is a, it is a gluing. It is a bonding. Uh, it's not just a nailing together that you can pull out the nail or unscrew the screw and take them apart. It is a gluing that, that they cannot be taken apart without extreme damage uh, to one another. Um, and so we need to understand that marriage is a covenant and we need that covenant. Many people said, well, I don't need that, uh, a piece of uh, paper to show that I love you. And we talked about that you're missing the, uh, the understanding of what marriage is. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're probably right because it's not based on what marriage truly is meant to be. Uh, it is meant to be uh, a vehicle of redemption through Christ. And so if it is a vehicle of redemption, um, it is something that cannot be undone. Uh, God made a covenant with us, and his faithfulness says that he will never break his promise with us. And so this is a reflection of that. And, and so we need to understand that our marriage is a reflection of the same commitment that God makes to us. And, and so um, that covenant is meant to be public. It's not a private thing. It's not something that we just say to each other. It is meant to be public. It is meant to be legal. And the legality of it means that there are consequences. There are obligations that we are uh, uh, committing to. Um, and it is eternal. Um, so marriage uh, is not a light thing. Um, and yet that covenant protects us. Um, it's not something that is heavy upon us. It's not meant to be a burden. In fact, when we make covenant with one another, it is a relief because with covenant, we can now trust the other person. We are, we are covered. We are protected by the, the, the attacks from outside of the marriage uh, because we have committed. We don't ever have to worry about it again. The third thing we talked about um, is that not only do we cleave to one another, but in that cleaving, there's a leaving. And so we talked about the priority of marriage. Marriage must be the number one priority in your life. Once you are married, there is nothing else in your life uh, that takes precedence. Even God himself takes precedence through the marriage. So yes, God is always number one priority, but you see God is in the marriage. You cannot take God out of the marriage. And so to make the marriage less than number one, you are moving God to less than number one. Um, and, and so we, we talk about the priority of marriage, that marriage is a new beginning. You cannot bring the old things of your past into marriage. We need to start fresh. We need to create new patterns. We need to work with one another uh, to leave those old things so that 
all things become new and they become more important. They are, it is more important than our children. Our children cannot uh, provide us with a source of identity and fulfillment or otherwise it will undermine the marriage. And when the marriage is undermined, your children are undermined. And, and so um, it is something that leans upon in one another. We must make the marriage first. It has to be number one above your career. Uh, it has to be number one above your friends. It has to be number one above everything because the marriage is the priority of God in your life. Remember, it is out of reverence for Christ that this marriage stands. And, and so our reverence for Christ is the very reason for living. And so therefore, our marriage is the earthly reflection of our relationship with Christ. Like it says, he says, I'm not speaking just of marriage, but this marriage thing, I'm speaking of Christ and the church. Um, it, it is the same thing. So that brings us to number four today. Um, we are going to look at, and, and I think we're going to have to, we're going to make it a little bit shorter today, and we're going to put this into two sessions. But today we're going to look at the purpose of marriage. What is God trying to do through marriage? Why did God create uh, marriage? Um, and what is it meant uh, to bring about? Um, just real quick, just to summarize it, the purpose of marriage is friendship. But it is not just the uh, outward friend that you have, uh, like the friends that you went to school with, the friends that you hang out with. It is a marriage friendship, and there is a different. It is the actual deepest type of friendship, but it is friendship. And the reason we say that is um, because uh, it is not uh, a romantic invention. Um, you see, your spouse must be your best friend before she is ever uh, your lover. And I think we, we, we cross those things up. Um, your husband is to be your best friend, not the person who sweeps you off your feet. Uh, that is that hunk that just makes your heart go pitter patter. Um, we, have, we have turned it into that. And therefore, when we lose that, we think the marriage is over. Um, and, and yet that is not meant to be uh, the purpose of marriage. It is not a, a personal romantic fulfillment. Um, we see it in this from the very beginning. Uh, when God uh, created Adam, he looked at Adam and he said, it, it's not good. Adam did not have that connection. Now, Adam had friends, okay? Um, there was connection even with the animals and um, uh, there was companionship. Uh, there was, he was not alone, even with God. He was with God in a perfect state. He had a perfect relationship with God. And yet God still said, it is not good because he's alone. Um, and so the action of God was that he created woman. Now, this is where he did not create another man. And for woman, he did not create another woman. And, and so I understand the feelings um, that the homosexual um, uh, society would bring, and I totally understand that, but there, it is not a matter of whatever we think about gender and all the controversies over uh, that type of uh, identity. This goes beyond that, that there was a spiritual difference that God created in man and woman, um, and it's not something that we can necessarily see just physically. 
or even emotionally, because yes, a man can emotionally connect with another man and a woman with, but you see, that's not the meaning of marriage. Um, so if it was just that, then I would not even argue with our homosexual friends, and, and I love them. They are people that God is, but what they're missing is the understanding of what marriage is meant to be. And that includes the sexual relationship. That means the physical relationship. That there was a spiritual thing that God created so that when Adam saw Eve, he did not see a sex object. Now, see, here's where we have to understand that. It's not about your sexual orientation. We have focused on sexual orientation when it is never meant to be about that. It is meant to be a spiritual connection. Um, and, and so when Adam saw Eve, he did not say, whoa, whoa, man, what a babe, right? That's not his first words. When he saw Eve, he said, at last, someone that is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. What did he mean by that? He meant there is a connection that I know myself in you. I now have a connection, a deep friendship that you connect with me like no one else. Because there is a, a difference that the two differences coming together, God made it in such a way that there is a friendship that is possible uh, between a man and a woman where we begin to know ourselves in a way that no one else can bring us to that realization. And that is because God created this marriage that, that we would experience a deep friendship and that friendship had one purpose. The purpose of this friendship was to present one another before God as whole. You see, without one another, we were separate. Um, and, and it is in the marriage friendship, the marriage friendship, which is, which is deeper uh, and uh, more uh, sacred than just our regular friends. And, and the purpose of this is three things. It is deep oneness. It says that, that they will come together and they will become one flesh. Um, and that comes from a mutual journey to a shared horizon. So these three things make up the marriage friendship. First of all, a deep oneness. Secondly, a shared journey. And the third thing is to a common horizon. Um, let me give you a, a little picture of that. Um, there are two types of love um, that we bring into a, a relationship. Now, there's actually a third type of love, agape love, which is the godly love, um, but that is an overarching love that we are all striving for to love one another unconditionally. But within our individual relationships, we usually uh, relate to one another in one of two loves. It is either the eros love, which is romantic love. It's the feeling of love. And God, does, God created that. that. That has a place. And then there's the philos love, and that is the brotherly love. It's the, it's the friendship love. Now, most of us, we come into marriage focusing on the eros love because the reason we got married is because, you know, there was a spark and, and there was something that, that we just loved about that other person. Um, but if you were to picture the eros love versus philos love, the best way to look at it is eros love if you were to draw a picture, it would be two people facing each other, okay? Because when we are in Eros love, we are looking at each other. It's what I feel about you when I look at you, and, and then I want to give myself to you. But it's all about this, this us looking at each other um, and feeding off of each other and even giving to each other. 
and, and that is a part, but that's not to be the foundation of marriage. Whereas the picture of philos love is two people not facing each other, but two people standing side by side, looking outward at a common horizon. Um, it is a, um, uh, a companionship looking in the same direction, not at each other, but at a third object that draws them together. It is a common goal. It is a horizon. Um, we see this in a lot of uh, the movies or TV shows. Um, how many love the, the buddy shows, right? Um, where uh, either a couple guys come together or, or a couple girls come together and, or, or a group of them, and usually they're, they're from totally different things that they normally would not even like each other, um, all different backgrounds of life, different uh, type of people. In fact, at, at the beginning, they usually hate each other, right? Um, they're in conflict. Uh, but as they come together, they are brought together because of a common uh, uh, conflict or fight. Um, uh, and through this journey of, of trying to address this, this, this fight, this horizon, um, we know at the end of the movie they, they have defeated the bad guys um, or they've made it to their destination or if it's a sports movie, they've won the championship. And now these people who were totally different, all of a sudden they, they like each other. They are friends. And what brought them together was this, this common goal. Um, and, and it's the same thing with a marriage. Um, we are to be brought together by a common goal, not by a common feeling. Uh, many times uh, uh, if we base our relationship on a common goal. When we come together because something clicked, there, there's just a friendship there. You see, out of that philos, eros can grow. Because when there is a common connection, when there is a common goal that we are working for this cause, you know what? God will bring the emotions into it. Um, even if they're not there all the time, the, 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 the eros becomes kind of the extra. It, it, it's the it's the dessert that comes with it, but it's not the reason they're together. Whereas if we base a relationship on the eros, where it's all about our feeling, well, when that's gone, that there's nothing that grows out of that. There's no guarantee that a philos will grow out of the eros, because when the eros fire goes out, many times there's nothing left but ashes. And, and so a marriage is not meant to be built upon romanticism or feeling, um, but it is meant to be built on friendship. And that goes against everything when we go to even find uh, the person that we are married to or how we're in, uh, relating to the person we are married to now. Uh, and that is wrong. Uh, this is why also it really takes two Christians. It must be two Christians to truly have a marriage be what God meant it to be. Now, you might have a marriage, and there are marriages uh, with one Christian and one non-believer or two unbelievers, and they can have a good marriage, but it will not be a marriage in what it was meant to be. Because again, that common goal will never be reached. And remember, the reason that, that, that marriage was created was to present these people before God as holy and perfect um, and joyful. Well, those that don't believe in God can never have that goal, and they can never accomplish that. Now, yeah, you might have a good relationship, but 
a relationship ends when life is over. And, and so, see, there is much more to our existence than life. And, and so a relationship based on uh, eros or even on friendship of two unbelievers will never accomplish that goal because the goal, you might have a goal and the marriage may accomplish a goal, but it won't accomplish the goal that God created it for, which was to present ourselves before God because one day we will stand before God and that's the purpose for marriage, to prepare us for that. Well, we can't prepare us if, if we don't even believe. Um, now, if you are a Christian and you are married to an unbeliever, um, it is not just to throw out that marriage because God still has a plan for that marriage. We are to be the light in that marriage. We are still to pray for our spouse. We are to serve them and submit and be humble to them so that God can work in their life. And our goal is to hopefully still present them before God uh, that they will come to God through the marriage. Um, so what is this common horizon of presenting ourselves to God? Um, in verse 26 and verse 27, it said that, that um, uh, it spoke of um, Jesus sanctifying the church, having cleansed her with the washing of water and the word presenting, him, pre presenting her before God without spot or wrinkle. So this, what this common goal, when we come into marriage, the purpose of marriage is to see in that other person something that they can become. It is not to see how they are now. The purpose of our marriage is to see not who our spouse is, but what they can become in Christ. We are to see, basically, the butterfly in the caterpillar. Um, that is the very horizon uh, that we have for each other. Um, when we look at our spouse, we need to stop looking for a statue. We need to stop looking for a beautiful, done deal. And we always want our spouse, come on, I want you to be like this. You, you need to treat me like this. You know what? Our marriage would be better if you would just be like this. That's the wrong statement. Your purpose in marriage is not to see a statue but as Tim Keller would put it, your purpose is to see a beautiful piece of marble. And then it's up to you to help bring that statue out. Because God has a picture of who your spouse will be. They may not be that. They're just a caterpillar right now. But it's up to you to see beyond the faults and beyond the hurts and beyond the things they are and begin to nurture what God sees in them. Um, you see, that's the purpose of marriage. The purpose of marriage is to bring that out of us. And it's not your purpose to say, okay, here, I'm the block of marble. You work on me and make me better. That's not your purpose. Um, many people, when I say the purpose is, is to present ourselves, well, then my, my spouse is not working on me the way she should be. That's not your place to decide. Your, your job is only to take care of your job, which is to make them who God wants them to be. Now, whether they do their job or not, that's in God's hands. But you need to stop valuing or judging them based on what they're doing for you. And all you are going to stand before God is what you have done for them. 
And when we begin to do that for one another, then we begin to see transformations. We begin to see a marriage accomplish what is it is meant to do. But it is an intentional thing. It's not something that just happens. That's why friendship is not about feelings, but friendship is about a choice. Um, and, and when we begin to choose to serve one another in that way and to be a friend to them. You see, this is what it is to be a friend. Um, if we have any lower goal than that in our marriage, um, we are just playing at marriage. You see, any goal other than standing before God, holy and, and perfect, is just a humanistic playing at a relationship game. Um, uh, and that's not what marriage was meant to be. You may have a great marriage. Uh, you may love each other and, and have years and years of marriage. But if you have not accomplished this preparation of standing before God, then all you've done is played a game for all your life. And it will mean nothing when you stand before God. I want to close um, with uh, four practical things real quick. And we're going to build on these next week. And I know it's going a little bit longer, but I, I want to uh, uh, lay a foundation where we are going to build upon this friendship. Um, first thing, uh, if this is the purpose of marriage, then the choosing of our spouse and the relating to our spouse um, must be based on friendship. We need to begin to focus on our friendship much more uh, than our emotional feelings, our romantic side. First of all, for those that are single, um, and I hopefully you are watching, we need to change how we are choosing um, our spouses or the person that we're going to spend the rest of our life with. Um, we need to understand that many times you miss the person that would have been the very best spouse for you because we did not choose the best friend for us. We chose the best spark for us. Uh, an example of that is we walk into a room with 20 people. As soon as we walk in, um, we probably immediately eliminate 17 of them. Well, that person, I'm not attracted to that person. They don't have the right body type or, you know, they, oh, that's not the face that I was really thinking that I would want uh, in a marriage. Um, and so we've already eliminated half of them, uh, which might have been great friends that would have just connected on a spiritual level or even an intellectual level to really um, uh, create within us and to spur us on to great things. But because we only focused on what we were attracted to, um, we may narrowed it down to three people. Um, now it's not that God cannot use that because we've done, we've probably all done that. So we've all failed if we've all uh, already been married. Um, but I encourage you that we begin to look and judge people um, based on a friendship, not an attraction. Now, if we are married, I want to say that then we need to begin to change how we react to our partner. We need to stop worrying about the feelings we have and they're not giving me the feelings that they used to and start say, saying, I'm going to choose to build a friendship. Maybe you have not had that type of friendship in your marriage. 
It's never too late to start. We are going to sit down. We need to do everything we can to make my spouse your very best friend. Um, because it is only in that that we need to sit down and talk about, do we have a common goal? Are, are we both looking to the horizon of God? Um, we need to bring ourselves together and say, we need to change the direction that we're heading as a marriage. And we need to begin to base it on a friendship and commit to one another. Um, uh, and, and if the feelings aren't there, that's okay. The feelings will come and go. When we do experience those feelings, then that's great. It's like a great dessert. Uh, but, but you know what? You're still going to have meals every day. Uh, we enjoy those great times when they come. But in the meantime, we're just going to be the best of friends that support one another, that are there for one another, um, that, that walks with one another on this journey to the common goal. Second thing is we need, if, it, if friendship is so crucial to a marriage, then here's the thing. You need to be very careful with all of your friendships because your outside friendships are only a, a slight reflection of what marriage was meant to accomplish. Um, now, yes, we are going to have other friends because uh, they are the out of the ground of which our marriage grew. And so there are peripheral friends that we are always going to have. And we should have other friends, but you need to be careful that those friendships never reach the level that your marriage friendship was meant to be. They can never take the place of that. And if you let them get close, it becomes an act of unfaithfulness to your spouse. And it becomes a possibility of undermining what God is doing in your marriage. And so we need to be very careful how we balance our friendships now, our friendships are great opportunities to present other people to Christ. See, that's the purpose of every friendship. The meaning is to present someone. So we even have churches, I mean, friendships in the church. And we should have friendships in the church because we are, again, wanting to present one another before God. Um, it is still being a friend, but it is never meant to come to the level of deep oneness that only our spouse has. Now, definitely, you need to be careful when you have a friend of the opposite gender. Because sometimes, you know, you might have, this is the problem we've had because we've addressed marriage in the wrong way. You know, I really love my wife and she's that, that romantic connection. But you know what? I have this, this friend that we've grown up together and they happen to be the opposite uh, sex. And I'm not attracted to them in a physical way, but man, we're just good friends. Well, you need to be very careful because see, good friends is what a marriage is supposed to be. And I'm not saying you have to always marry your best friend, but who you marry should be your best friend. And if you have a best friend, especially of the opposite sex, you need to be very careful or you need to bring that down because it becomes a, a barrier to what your marriage should be. Okay, so friendship is the basis. So therefore, we must be very careful um, with our friendships. Um, third thing, I just want to give you a, a quick uh, uh, definition of what is that friendship then. What is a friend? Um, uh, four things that a friend is. First of all, and you can look at these through the, throughout the book of Proverbs. If you look throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about friendship in so many different ways. First thing, a friendship is consistent. If you're going to be a friend to your spouse, you need to be consistent. You need to be there. You can't throw a hus hissy fit whenever they don't say what you like and, and get 
uh, all upset and move away. You have to be consistent. We got to live with the faults of one another. You work it out. You stay there. You don't respond harshly when they don't do what you want them to do. It is consistent. A friend is consistent. They are there. Second thing is a friend is honest. Now, here's the thing. They are both honest with you and they are honest about you. Now, see, a lot of times it, uh, we are friends and it's real easy to be honest about them. Hey, I'm just being honest with you. This is what I see. You know what? If you have a real friend, you need a friend that is honest with you. That means they're honest with their failures. They're honest with their weaknesses. They are honest with you, not just honest about you. And we need to be that together. Uh, when we are honest with one another, it builds the friendship. The third thing is a friendship. You cannot have a friend without vulnerability. Um, that means you have to be willing to be hurt. That means you have to be open uh, vulnerability is all about being exposed, okay? Now, here's the reason why friendship, the deep marriage friendship is where vulnerability happens. It's where we are naked with one another. This is why God says we are never to be physically naked with someone that we are not spiritually naked with. This is why there is to be no sex outside of marriage because that vulnerability is meant to be the building block of that deep oneness of a friendship. And if we are physically naked with someone without being spiritually and emotionally uh, vulnerable and naked with them in that friendship, there is a split of the common goal, of the horizon. We have now uh, created uh, that eros uh, uh, relationship without having the philos. And so therefore, um, there is a separation from God's purpose. And that's why sex outside of marriage separates us from God's purpose. Um, there is a vulnerability that is meant to be in the marriage relationship alone. And that is uh, the necessity for a friendship. There is that vulnerability, that that. Uh, that we both have with one another. And the last thing is, um, there is a, again, as Tim Keller states it, it is blessing. A friend is a friend of blessing. Now, what is a blessing? When you look throughout the Bible, uh, whenever one of the patriarchs came to the end of their life, uh, you know, Abraham, uh, uh, Joseph, Jacob, uh, they would bring their kids together and they would give them the blessing. Um, what was that? It was a declaration of what they were going to be. Uh, it was not saying, you know what, this is who you are. It's, I give you a blessing that you will become all that God has for you. As friends, we need to be friends of blessing. This is where we see in them something that may not be there right now. We need to be people of blessing. In other words, we need to speak blessing into one another's lives even when they're not there yet. In other words, we say, you know what? I know we have failed each other, but I see that God is still doing something. That's the word of blessing, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here to bring that out in you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm hurt right now, but I still believe that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And so we need to be friends of blessing to see in one another, past the ugly and the hurt and the hard, to see blessing of what God has 
for them. Um, and then the fourth thing, this is where we have to understand that we must both have our eyes on Christ to make a marriage. Um, if it's going to be friendship, which is philos, standing side by side, looking to a common goal, we must have Jesus as that common goal. In your marriage, if we do not bring Jesus as center stage and we are both looking at Jesus, I'm telling you, you're going to always struggle. Um, uh, we need to work on bringing Jesus into the focus of our marriage. It is the goal. It is the horizon that we are journeying towards. It needs to be the destination. We cannot be going in a different direction. And again, I, if you're looking for a spouse, you cannot marry an unbeliever. And, and I encourage you, don't, don't think, well, you know what, uh, I'll, I'll bring them to God. Well, then you bring them to God first. We need to understand that. And I understand, and there's some uh, of us that, that you are already in a marriage. And that's okay. You know what? God blesses that. And, I, and we, we get in those situations. But then this is our focus. We have got to keep God in front um, of us so that our spouse can see what we're looking at. And we just continue to pray over them that they may come to know Christ. Um, that has to be our goal. And we just live it out. And we live it out. And we still see in them what God sees in them. And you still work to nurture uh, the godly plan, even in your unbelieving spouse, because it is that is still your call. Um, and, and so even if your spouse is not a believer, you need to do everything you can to continue over and over just loving them to Christ. Um, because it is only two Christians who are looking to God that are going to make marriage what it is meant to be. I, we can have good marriages, but I don't want good marriages. Marriages are meant to be great. They are meant to, stay, to bring a body before Christ, holy and acceptable to hear these words, well done, now enter in to your reward. See, that's the only marriage that really matters. And when we look at this friendship, marriage as friendship, we need to understand who's the ultimate friend. Jesus is the ultimate friend because we're now many of you, maybe you're not married. Maybe you're never going to be married again. And you're wondering, well, what is all this friendship? Then I'm, I don't have any friend. No. Friendships are still in your life to accomplish the same thing with your friends. You are to work on them to bring them before God. But ultimately you need to understand that Jesus is your friend because as he said, when I'm speaking about marriage, I'm really talking about Christ in the church. So if you are not married, Maybe you're a widow, you're elderly. You know what? You have a spouse and it is Christ. And you need to walk in that relationship in the same friendship that you would with anyone else. You see, he's talking about you and God. And so no matter what position you're in, we can still develop these friendships, whether it's with others or whether it's with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. We are called uh, to let these friendships work on us, great on us, create within us a new person because we all need to transform ourselves. We all need to be renewed um, uh, in what God is calling us to be. And so I encourage you, 
make your marriage the greatest friendship it can be. Don't worry about the romantic side. That'll come. And when you have that, enjoy it. But when it's not there, it's okay. You're not meant to be that. You're meant to be one flesh. You are meant to look at each other like Adam and say, wow, this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. I have someone who knows me. I have someone who is me. Not someone that I can have this fancy love with, but someone who I can walk with and is walking with me and is my best friend. That's what God wants for you. And when we get close to that, you will also experience the greatest joy and purpose that you could ever imagine. Let's pray together.